So listen, I get it. I, I, I often say on this show that I, I thoroughly enjoyed a conversation. Or this is one of my favorite conversations. And, and, and I honestly believe it every time I say that. It's the reason I do this show and I, and I put out as many episodes as I do because I really do enjoy it. I think everybody is so interesting. Um, but I'll do it again and say uh, this this conversation with my guest, Dan, um, was was maybe one of my favorites for, for a few reasons. And, and let me start firstly with, with Dan's background a little bit. So Dan's an author. Um, he recently wrote a book called The Heartbeat in Danger, which discusses kind of the difficult and complicated journey of a young girl contemplating having an abortion. And you kind of pair that with Dan's value, which is faith in Jesus. And many people could think like, I see where this is going. Um, you know, another person kind of spewing out reasons why we should all be in church and following the Bible and banning abortions and, and all that stuff. And I'd be lying if I didn't say I thought, okay, that might be the case too. And I, <laughs> we'll see how this conversation goes. But I can't tell you how far off from reality that actually is. I mean, listen, obviously Dan does have a deep faith and belief in Jesus and the teachings of God. So, so we did discuss that and get into some of that. But there were two aspects of his faith that I found super insightful and, and frankly beautiful. I don't think there's any other word to say it. Um, the first is that, that Dan's faith, it's not, it's not a blind faith. I mean, he acknowledged when he was younger, he grew up in the church and he didn't really have much of a choice in it. It was just kind of pushed on him. But as he got older and he had certain life experiences, it, that faith was tested. And he went through a period where he truly questioned all aspects of it and kind of came out the other side with a view that said, you know, a very conscious choice to have a relationship with Jesus and, and God and, and understanding that some of the rules of formalized religion and the church and all that are actually detrimental and they, and they cause us to forget the actual essence of what Jesus was, was really trying to teach us. And I think that ties very much to the second aspect of Dan's faith that I loved. Um, he, he never wants to preach to anyone or judge anyone based on their beliefs or their decisions or their actions. And you'll hear that come through constantly throughout this episode. Um, it doesn't mean that he always agrees with people, but he understands much like the God that he believes in, that it's not our role to judge or criticize others, right? Faith taught him that life's too complex for that. It's too complicated. It's too hard. And it's about what life should be about is choosing to try to love and help our fellow man, right? If, if, if the way Dan put it, if he expects God to love him, despite the things he gets wrong and the flaws and, 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 and all that, then he has to love others in that same way. And I, I, I listen, I, I recognize just those words alone can sound like bullshit. They could sound like just nice words that don't really have any meaning or substance. But what I took away from this conversation, what I appreciated so much about Dan and his approach to life and faith is that we don't all have to agree with it. We don't all have the same relationship with, with God or Jesus or the same beliefs. Um, but, but I truly do believe that he's worked very hard throughout his life to make the words I'm saying and the words he's saying in this conversation very real. And it made for a really fascinating conversation for me. So with that, let's get to the convo with Dan. All right, Dan, thanks so much for being on. Really appreciate it. Excited to talk to you today. I will get right to it with the question of what's the value that's most important to you? The value that's uh, most important, I guess, is is uh, my faith in Christ. Uh, I, and here's the thing: I always tell people that, uh, you know, I'm a man of faith, but I don't push that on anybody. I don't expect anybody to, you know, believe the same way that I do. I don't push my faith on them. I don't, uh, you know, beat them over the head with it. I just try to do the best I can. And if somebody else wants to, um, you know, explore that maybe find out what gives you hope. Why, why do you, you know, act the way that you do? I'm more than willing to talk with them, but, uh, 
I think it sets up a, I think it sets up an interesting dynamic where I've had people say, wow, you know, that's really cool that you share that. And uh, so I think it's, I think it's important to, to, to mention that to people and let them know where you stand, but don't be pushy. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. So let's, <clears throat> let's dig into that a little bit, maybe start backwards. Was that always the most important value? Were you always a, a person of faith? Um, was that something that came later in life? Were you raised with it? What's kind of the back backstory of it? I, I grew up in church pretty okay. much. <laughs> so so every Sunday I was there, uh, you know, activities that went on and things like that. I was there. Yeah. So uh, I was kind of, I, I don't want to say pushed into it, <laughs> but it felt like it sometimes, yeah. right? And then at some point it kind of got a little bit stale and a little bit like, okay, is this really all there is? <laughs> and some of the things that went on, I'm kind of like looking at it going, well, you know, that doesn't really fit with what I'm experiencing here in life. And mm. something's just not connecting here. And uh, I, I thank God that there was like an experience in my life where um, it basically destroyed everything I thought I knew about friends and family and faith and love and relationships and everything just, just blew everything out of the water. And everything that I have relearned about my faith since that time uh, has been more real to me now mm. than it was ever then. And I realized I was borrowing my faith when I was a kid, but now it's become more real to me and more precious. So wow. uh, it, it's a deeper faith now. Interesting. Super interesting. I mean, wherever you're comfortable, do you mind if I ask what that thing was that kind of blew everything up? <laughs> it, it was a relationship with a girl that uh, honestly didn't deserve what happened to her. She was kind of collateral damage in mm. all of this that happened. It was just a horrible thing where my family was pulling me one way. My friends mm. were pulling me the other way. She's pulling me the other way. I'm being pulled this way. And it was just, everything just blew apart. And I, to this day, I feel bad that that happened, uh. but it was the, at the time it was the worst thing, but now I can look back and say, you know what? That was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to me just because I learned, I relearned what my faith was all about and what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, I say this often, but very much the spirit of this show, what I like to do is I, I use the phrase pressure test. Cause I think you don't really know if something's real unless it's been pressure. Tested exactly. Yeah, exactly. Action. It sounds like that's kind of what you're getting at where right. you acknowledge as, as I think is true for many kids, maybe not all, but when you're born into a certain faith, you, you do borrow it to an extent. And it's not that that's yeah, you do. necessarily a negative. It's just, it's just the reality of it. And for you to be able to go through that experience and say, no, 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 I'm actually choosing this faith and, and the relationship I have with right. it. I think that's a valuable thing. Right. Because it could have gone the other way too. Sure. You know, it could have, it could have very easily gone the other way where it's like, you know, okay, well, faith just abandoned me. So why don't I abandon that and, yeah. and just give up? So, but that was all I had. Well, let me, well, let me ask on that. Why, why do you think it didn't? Well, let me even step back further. What was the, what was that experience like when you started to question that faith? It sounded like you said you were already maybe questioning a little bit earlier on in life when you were younger, things maybe didn't add up. What was that grappling that you went through? Were there specific issues with it? Was it just generally a belief that maybe God doesn't exist and, and Jesus isn't there for you? What was, what was the kind of narrative in your head? As far as uh, I, I wouldn't say I was questioning the faith. I would say I was questioning more the denominational practice, mm, okay. you know, and, and the things that we do, you know, you, you go to church on Sunday and, you know, it's always the hi, how are you fine kind of thing. It's just, it's just plastic smiles mm, and the plastic mm. look and the, you put on your best front for everybody and you pretend that you're okay. Mm. And deep down inside, you're just, just wrecked, mm. you know, and you don't feel like you can really share that. And I think in a lot of ways, that's what I started noticing was 
look, I'm, you know, I'm wrecked inside. There's a lot of stuff going on inside that I don't feel like I can share with people. And I wondered why I, it just didn't make any sense to me. Why can't we just open up and expose this and just say, you know, there's a whole lot of hell that's in your, in your heart. Mm. And why can't we really dig into that and talk about it and find a reasonable solution or something mm. that's going to help you get through that, at least mm. endure, you know? Mm. Well, 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 did you get to a point where that reconciled by you realized you could do that? Or did you make a change in, in the denomination of faith? <laughs> like, how'd you, how'd you reconcile that? I, I got to a point where I realized, you know, it's, it's okay if I, if I sit here and scream at God. I mean, there have been moments where I'll be in my car and I am just literally screaming at God, just yelling as loud as I can. And I figure he's big enough to take it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, you know, that's cool. Yeah. But, uh, um, I think the thing I got to was that we look at what's outside. We look at what's external. We look at what people do and how we act and, you know, the things we, you know, places we go and who we hang out with. We look at all the external things. And what God really wants to know is what's in your heart. Mm. What's, what's really there? Because the Bible constantly is talking about, you know, uh, everything that's about who you are comes out of your heart. Everything is the wellspring of life. It, 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 everything emanates from your heart and what's there, what really motivates you? What, what do you cling to in your heart? And so that's a deeper issue than just what you do externally, you know? Mm. So it was just a matter of getting to a point where I'm like, okay, God can handle me screaming at him. I feel good with that. So I need to explore how I can get that, you know, get mm. that out and, and let it go in a productive manner. Mm. Yeah, it's almost I I found this for myself and I'm I'm still navigating what I think what my faith is, if if any, kind of and all that. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll get into some of it. But it sounds like there's a, some parallels in that. Like for you, there's a degree of realizing like God just wants me to be who who I who I am, right? Like to right, let that flow right. out, what's in my heart. And that's not um I don't say that to make it sound like it's necessarily easy. It's hard to an extent oh, to figure out who we are and be comfortable with it and, and kind of challenge those things. And, and I would imagine you, you'll correct me. I, I, don't, I certainly don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think I can relate to this. I, I was raised Catholic. Um, mm-hmm. It was never too like we were more, you know, went to church on if somebody died or holidays and even holidays was somewhat hit or miss. But I can imagine there being a sensation of like, if you're worried about being judged in general by society about who you are and, and what you think, God is like the ultimate, like, well, especially God, I don't want to show God the true me because this isn't good enough. It's not worthy of kind of God. (laughs) Right. So is the sensation that like you hit a point where you realize it's not that we're necessarily perfect, but we are who we are and we have to like, let God know that and kind of work through it with God rather than trying to hide it and kind of shield things from, is that kind of feeling? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. I I was at a youth conference uh, many years ago. And uh, Josh McDowell, who was an atheist mm. and set out to disprove the Bible, uh, actually ended up becoming one of the best apologists for the Bible. Uh, I remember what he said one time. He said he was playing basketball with his team and they went out somewhere and, and they asked him to pray beforehand. So he gave the normal, you know, well, God, just take care of us, not out prayer. And he said after the game, he was really upset. And, and somebody was looking at him like, what are you upset about? He's like, I really wanted to win that game. I really wanted to win. And the guy's like, well, why didn't you pray for that? And his whole thing was just bring it out in the open. And I thought, that's something I've never done is 
just expose that to say, you know what, here's all the darkness. Here's, here's everything I'm hiding back here. And there's still things that I do hide, but here's all the stuff I'm hiding. God, what, what can we do about this? And I think when you do that, it frees you up to make, you don't feel as tense and and all, you know, puckered up, I guess you could say it. It's, it's a freedom that you can express this and God's still going to go, you know what? I know that's there. I see it. Yeah okay, now that you're addressing it, now you're willing to look at it, let's go through this and let's yeah. walk through it together. And uh, it's just a freedom that, that is amazing. Yeah, and I, and I think there's so many people, you know, some people get triggered by by the word God or, or religion and everybody's yes. got their own thing, I get that. But I think there's so many people who would hear the essence of what you're saying and they would agree with that. In whatever method they take to get there, that liberating mm-hmm. feeling of being like, this is who I am. And again, it's not that necessarily perfect. It's not that I can't improve, but just kind of putting it all out on the table and saying, let's go from there. Right. Um, I think so many people that would resonate with, even if it's, they believe in God or they don't, I think <laughs> a lot of people agree in that sensation right. and, and that, piece right. you know, right. Um, what is, what is your relationship with God? And by that, I mean, like, how do you view God? Do you view God? And there's no, I'm not leading the witness here at all. I'm genuinely curious. Sure. Is there judgment? I assume there's some judgment, right? The Bible does have certain beliefs and views. There are some rules. Um, do you feel like when you are communicating with God, there is some judgment and you're okay with that? Or do you view God where it's there, there is no judgment? It's just who we are. And, and that's, that's what it is. He, he accepts you for, for that. I, another thing I learned a long time ago was if you want to try to understand your vertical relationship with God, kind of look at the horizontal relationship you have with parents and kids and so forth. And the way I look at it is with my kids, what I tried to do is do the best I could to raise them, teach them the right thing and instill in them a good value system. And, and hopefully that they're going to turn out to be productive. I mean, obviously I had you know ideas in my head of what I wanted them to be and how I wanted them to turn out and so forth. And I had this, this image in my mind that, you know, if they reach this, this would be fantastic, yeah. you know? And unfortunately at some point they got to where they had a mind of their own mm-hmm. and they decided to do things on their own. Mm-hmm. And I had to stand back and watch it because at some point I don't think you can really dictate to them yeah. uh, what you do. At some point you kind of shift in that relationship with your kids where it becomes more like an advisor role yeah. and that's hard, but to watch them go through some of the things that they did and to have my heart broken by what they did, but they've turned out to be great people. They've turned out to be, they've turned around, they've, they've become better people. They've learned from their mistakes and I think that's the same way God does with us. He has an image in his head of, this is who I want you to be. This is how I want you to be. But he still allows us to go through those decisions mm-hmm. and make those choices where there's consequences. You, we, we can't get away from that. There are mm-hmm. consequences to whatever choice we make. And he's going to allow that. But he's going to be right there with us saying, okay, I'm here. I'm going to pick you up. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And there will be, a, I don't want to say a judgment to it. I think suffering the consequences of what you do is kind of judgment enough. Mm. And I don't think God's going to sit there and pile on and say, Oh, you're horrible for that. Oh, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. He's going to say, okay, what did you learn? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and you're going to sit there and go, well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit yeah. and you're going to, you're going to work through it. So, uh, so no, I don't think there's like true judgment judgment for that action, but I think there's, there's a, a, a mercy of, okay, you, you failed. We both recognize this. 
Now let's go. Now, what? now as, yeah. as far yeah, as far as like the ultimate judgment, of course, that's still to come. But that's a whole other issue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this scares the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get to that, because I find that interesting, um, I think it ties back to what you were saying about um, just kind of opening your heart and letting it flow. I think there's something that at least resonates with me that I think is true with that, as you say, like when when we make mistakes, when we get it wrong that judgment, that punishment, whatever it is, whatever the right term is. I think that's similar. Like, as you said, right. we kind of know when we when we get it wrong. We feel when we've, we're doing something that we know we shouldn't be doing or is you know, so. acting out of, you know, our value system, or whatever it might be. And I think there's a lot to that, that sensation of, and, and maybe that is God. Maybe that's how God works through that. Mm-hmm. But I felt that. I felt that where, like, I know. And then that is the judgment. That is me feeling like, okay, I messed this thing up. There's something I, I, I got wrong or I could have been better at. And I work through that. So I think it goes both ways. That truth right. and authenticity of what we are and the goodness in us comes out, but also the the negative and the things we need to be better. We Precisely. feel all that inside of us. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's a it's a complicated uh emotional mess mm. that when you and it was like the situation I was talking about earlier where it just blew up in my face that mm. it was this complicated you know, complex set of circumstances where I'm evaluating everything that's going on around me. And I'm watching these people tell me my, my best friends who I've known for years are telling me, no, I can't associate with you because you're going out with this person and they're, they're not of God and so forth Mm. and judging me for that. And just dealing with that pain of how, how can you do this? You know me Mm. and we've been buddies for a long time. How do you do this? You know, Mm. we reconciled, of course, everything was good, but but still, in that moment, it was just this complex mass of, you know, what's going on? What really, what, what, what really matters here? And are we, are we basing what you're saying on what I just did, my actions, or are you basing it on the fact of who you know I am mm. and what I can become? Mm. And it was just, it was just unbelievable. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's a lot of the frustration when people have frustration with with God or or whatever they call it is we all wish life wasn't so complex. And, and if, and if there is a God, the sensation is like, well, if there's anybody that can make it simpler, like make it simpler, like why, why are you doing this? To me? Why are you making this so right. hard? Why are you making it so right. complex? But I think the analogy you gave before of the parent relationship makes a lot of sense. It's, it's almost like an envision, you know, God kind of sitting there being like, I, I wish I could make it simpler for you, but, right. but I can't. And, and, and right. maybe it's because there's not the power to, or maybe there is, but just the knowing that it won't be better. Like you have to work through this yourself, as you said, with your kids. Right. Exactly. Um, That's a tough thing in the moment, that sensation of like, but I don't want to go through it. I don't want (laughs) to have to go through the fire. I want you to just tell me. uh, Well, and I look back to, you mentioned, you know, not wanting to go through it. I look back to even, you know, when, when Jesus was praying in the garden just before the Mm. crucifixion, he himself, Mm. he knew what he had to do, but he himself was saying, no, I don't want to do this. Mm. If there's any way you can get me out of this, do it. Mm. And he himself did not want to proceed. Mm. So if he got to that point, his human side got to the point of saying, no, I don't want to do this. Then that doesn't make me feel so bad by saying, you know what, God, I really don't want to do this either. Mm. But I need to trust and and in faith step out and and do those things that maybe sometimes are hard. Mm. But it it just, it just, I can identify with that idea that I know what I've got to do. I just don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I'll ask the the maybe cliched question that I always ask people that that have faith in their life and do value it as much. And, and I'm just curious the answer. Again, there's no, sure. there's no value judgment in this, but how do you make sense of, of human suffering? Right. Like I, I know 
a common response to that is, well, you know, God has a plan and, you know, we can't understand it. And there's that. And that very well may be true. And that might be as simple as that. Um, but what is like your personal view of it? Do, do you struggle with that still to say, like, I'm still not sure why God did create all this suffering. Do you kind of just absolve yourself of it and say, I'll never understand it. And it just is what it is. Like, how do you make sense of, of some of the suffering we see in the world? <laughs> that's a, that's a loaded question. Yeah, right? Easy. Loaded question. Yeah, easy. Sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why not? Right. Um, man, I, it's, it's a, I think it's a multi-layered type of, uh, situation for me where I can look at the fact that, you know, again, God has this design and God said, you know, okay, I want everything to be perfect. This is exactly how I created it. If you, if you do these things, you know, if you, if you kind of follow these guidelines, everything's going to be good. And it's the same with my kids. Mm -hmm. We create this perfect world for them and say, you know, okay, we've, we've sheltered you for so long from what's bad we've we've tried to warn you about what's wrong and what potential dangers are out there for you and we've tried to instill those ideas that if you cross this line it's it's going to be potentially negative for you and at some point again the the our, I mean, my kids grow up and they're like you know well you know i was the same way i like i said growing up in church it was it was you do this you say this you think this you be friends with these people you you stay within this little cloistered boundary and at some point I got to the, of like, okay, wait a minute, this is fake. This mm. is stupid. This is wrong. So I wanted to test the boundaries mm. and I did now, not to the extent that I could have, but I tested the boundaries to, to what I felt, I guess, comfortable with. I don't know. That's a good word, but I pushed it and I realized that, okay, I was willingly going through this. I was choosing to do this, mm. knowing that it could be potentially bad. And I still went ahead and did it. And I think that's kind of the way I view God is that, you know, again, if we look at me as a father, he has an idea. Look, I want you, you know, watch out for these things over here. I'm not saying you can't enjoy. I came to give you freedom. I came to give you life and enjoyment and, and feel, find joy in life. But I've also got to be, you know, telling you about these, you know, warning you about these other things over here, that if you cross this line, it could be potentially bad. And I think that's the way I kind of view it is mm. it's not a matter of, uh, you know, God created the, the uh, evil, but I think he does allow it for a reason. I say it this way sometimes is that, you know, when, whenever a natural disaster strikes, you know, a hurricane, tornado, whatever, you know, the, the inevitable questions are always, you know, well, why did God allow this to happen? Mm. If there's a God in him, why did this happen? Oh, my guys are crying. And to me, it's kind of a backhanded admission that, there is someone who is more powerful than anything in the world that could stop a tornado, stop a you know, hurricane, that is more powerful than anything in the world. But you don't acknowledge it because in acknowledging it, then that means you have to say to yourself, there's something more powerful than me. Mm. And I don't want to do that to me. Mm. And I've done it myself. I mean, seriously, when I was pushing the boundaries, I was doing that myself. I, like, I, don't want, I don't care. The rules are out the window now. I'm, I'm doing what I want. I don't care. The, the church rules are gone. Mm. I want to do this. And it's an admission of saying that if there's something bigger than me, then I have to conform or surrender to that. Mm. And maybe I don't want to. So it's, again, it's a, it's a conundrum of knowing it's there, but do I really want to give in? Yeah, that's super interesting. So, so that's, so, so what you're saying is like, if I acknowledge God exists almost by definition and, and 
maybe we could debate but i think right well then i should be then i should be acting a certain way in accordance with that if, if god is if god is there and god does exist then i should mm-hmm. act in accordance with that and i should respect that and, and act appropriately and is what you're saying is that there's a lot of people that maybe much like jesus right before right. the crucifixion are saying like i know i should do that but i just don't want to i want to enjoy <laughs> the life i have and i'm not exactly it, but that sensation and that's that's interesting i don't know what to make of that i mean i think that's definitely makes sense and i mean that literally like what do we make sure. of that is that that people are so beholden to their freedom and and living the life they want to live it is it that we're inherently selfish and even though we know or maybe know that there's this greater being that we should you know mm-hmm. respect in a certain way we just we'd rather respect ourselves more. What does that say about humanity, I guess? Right, right. I think, you know, and and again, looking at the vertical relationship here, um, I always say this, my wife and I are coming up on 30 years of being married uh, in August 1st. Thank you, thank you. Um, But the way I view it is simply this. When I woke up this morning, I chose to love her. Mm. And I'm going to go to bed tonight choosing to love her. Mm. And God willing, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and choose to love her again. Mm. And it's simply by doing that every single day, by choosing to love her every day that we've made it to 30 years. Cause there's, I was, well, we can get into a whole other discussion about what I did that was stupid. But anyway, but I think it's, it's when you choose to love someone, whether it's God, another person, money, whatever, when you choose to love something, it means more to you than anything else. And I think that's what is so inherently beautiful and complex about the freedom to choose mm. that we can choose to, you know, to live the way we want to, and we can choose to ignore all the morality that we want to, we can do that, or we could choose another way. Mm. So that's what's so delicately annoying about that is it's beautiful, <laughs> but at the same time, it can break you. And, and that's the hard part. Why? Oh, that's the very, why do you choose to love God? every day in in the vein of what you just said. And again, that's not like, why are you doing that? You should do it different. Obviously <laughs> it's genuinely that's because I think it's a super interesting point. Like, what is it for you that you wake up every day and say, yes, I choose to love Jesus Christ, God. Like that's the value mm-hmm. that that's most important to me. I think because what I've seen him done, number one in my own life mm-hmm. and how I've seen him work in me, change me mm-hmm. from what I was to what I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, how I've seen him use my marriage mm. to influence other people. We, we had met a couple um, who uh, she had three, well, four kids. Yeah. Three boys, one girl. She had four kids. She was, you know, um, single mom, basically she was living with her boyfriend at the time and my son, our son, and, and, and they, the boys got to know each other. They lived down the street and would play all the time. So we got to know him when, you know, they knew we went to church and this, that, and the other. Again, we never pushed it. We never forced anything. We just talked about it in generic conversations. And pretty soon it got to a point where they started going to church mm. and they got baptized. And it was just that influence of we're here, we're showing, we're just being us. We're not doing anything special. We're just being us. And this is how we live out our faith. Mm. Um, I've seen it influence another couple who we met. Uh, we both worked at Victoria's Secret Catalog. We met another couple there. Same thing. She had uh, two boys, I believe. It's been so many years. <laughs> and same thing. Same thing. They got married. And again, uh, you know, she called us later and said, you know, hey, we started going to church. You know, we'd like to meet. So it's just that it's that subtle influence that I've seen where not only has it changed me and I've seen the changes in my wife, but I've seen changes as a result of our relationship with each other 
and how we try to live out our faith. I've seen it impact other people. So there's a reality to me that it's, 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 it's real mm. and there's nothing more powerful than that. Mm. And uh, so that's how I, that's what I said. I don't ever force that on anybody. I'm, not, I'm never going to, but for me, it's the most real thing I've ever found in my life. Mm. The changes that you see, I mean, I could guess, obviously, is it, is it like moralistic? Is it better decisions? Is it more loving? Is it more like, what, what is it that you start to see? And maybe it's not the same thing in everybody, but what is it that you start to see that you feel like, yeah, I know there's something good in that. It's, uh, it's pretty much all of the above, what you just said. (laughs) Um, It's, and I'll tell you what, one example that I wanted to give here earlier was the experience that I went through. Um, I was talking to a very, very good friend of mine uh, about a month or so after everything blew up on me. She had gone through the exact same thing. Mm. where some guy had used her and, you know, she really loved him and she used her and, you know, he used her and, and left and, you know, she was brokenhearted and she mm. was in tears on the phone with me. And I sat down and I just, I just basically what I told her was everything I wish someone had told me, mm. you know, I just poured out my heart to her. And at the end of the conversation, she's like, you know, you've helped me more than anybody I've talked to since. I was like, wow. You know, so it's, it's, I think it's identifying with the pain that you have. And I think it's, it's realizing that, yeah, I self-inflicted wounds sometimes, but I learned my lesson and I, mm. I overcame that. Mm. And this is how I did it. Mm. You know, mm. and that faith in you know, the faith is the impetus to improve your life, make yourself better, be better than who you were yesterday. Mm. That's kind of the way I view it. That's, I, yeah, so. I can't help but think as you say it again, how much I know people have said this before, so it's not novel, but there's so much in what, whether it be Christianity or, or different religions, the the verbiage, the, the messages, the the concepts, the insights that I think so many people would agree with. That idea of right. figuring out how to deal with your self-inflicted wounds, how to kind of open up about that, how to share that and be vulnerable right. and use that to heal. So much of that, it's, it's so funny how, it's funny, but I, I can understand why to an extent, the idea of formalized religion, phrases like God triggers people to say like, oh, no, no, not that. That's not for me. Mm-hmm. But if you strip mm-hmm. all that away and just say, here's the message Jesus was giving or whatever, right. so many people would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, I agree with that. That makes perfect right. sense. Right. Um, and I wonder from, from your side, Dan, <laughs> like, I think there's there's a decent amount of people who view it and say the Bible, the teachings, they're great. They're metaphors, though. It's not literal. And then there's other people that I think take it literal. Where, where do you fit, fit on that spectrum? Do you, when you read the Bible, when you hear the stories of, of Noah or, or Abraham or Moses, etc., is that literal for, for you as you see it? Or is it more of a figurative metaphorical message, but still true, but, but more metaphorical in it? I, I, I believe it is true. Mm. Um, I, I believe it absolutely is true. Now, I'll say this as well. Two things. One uh, having grown up in church and read the Bible a lot, I haven't read it back to back and you know cover to cover, but having read enough and heard enough sermons, um, I know people say this about the Bible that it's offensive, that it's you know that it's this, it's that, it's it's it's, it's hard, and it, it it affects me too. When I read that, I'm looking at this, I'm like, oh my God, this fits me because I just did this, you know, <laughs> and it's like, oh well, holy crap. So it, it hits me too. I mean, it, it strikes me that same way too. So I'm not immune to it. Mm. It's not like I found some super, super secret. I'll say this one, uh, one example I was thinking of is uh, when you talk about you know, religion and organized religion and so forth. Um, I, being an author, I, I wrote my first book and I had a, a book signing many years ago. And there was someone who had shared on their LinkedIn page 
about an event, the book signing I was going to have. And this person comes rushing in to where I was. And they're like, oh my gosh, I want to talk to the author. Who's the author? Who's the author? So we sit there, we're kind of chatting. And she's like, well, you know, I, I, I kind of invest in people and, and this, that, and the other. And when I heard invest, I'm like, ching. I heard nothing <laughs> else you said, right? Well, then she said, okay, well, what's the book about? And I said, like I said, this is my first book. I said, well, I said, this is about a pastor who's helping to cover up a murder but two strangers come to town and convince him to tell the truth. And as soon as she heard the word pastor and the religious aspect came in, there was this twist to the conversation because her next question was essentially, how can you believe in religion when it has been the source of so much pain and suffering in the world over history? I said, wait a minute. Mm. So we're talking about two different things here. Mm. Religion is a set of rules that says, do this, 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 this. Jesus is a relationship. They're completely different. And I think when you look at it that way, yeah, you can look at the religion and say, it's this, 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 this. Like I said, I grew up that way. Think this way, talk this way, dress this way, be friends with these people. That's how I grew up. And it was a set of rules. Mm -hmm. But when I found out there's a relationship, that puts a whole twist on things. Mm -hmm. Where you start to look at the Bible, yeah, there's a lot of cool things there. But when you know this is a person, when you realize it's not, he's not a religion, he's a person. That that makes a different dynamic to it, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. And I think even the even the organized religion. I mean, listen, yes. I, I don't think anybody's going to dispute that there's been a lot of horrible things done in the name of, of various different organized religions, or mm-hmm. maybe not the name of it, but but as part of it. But I think when I think about that, I, I'm not dismissing that by any means, and I'm not apologizing for religion by any means. But mm-hmm. to me, it's more a function of, of human nature. It's more a function of you know humans have done that in the name of religion yes but yeah. we've also done a lot of horrible stuff not in the name of religion like we, exactly. we are capable of a lot of horrible things in general <laughs> when you get Absolutely. organized and get scale of people bad things can happen and, and religion is not immune to that by any means but I, I think it's oversimplifying it perhaps to just say religion is the problem i think it's more symptomatic and maybe one of the biggest symptoms right one of the most visible ones mm-hmm. just humans and and what we do as humans and the mistakes we make and and all those things. And I think, right. I think that's where I've landed over the years is I've become much more, I don't know if this is the right word, but sympathetic to religion. Again, that doesn't dismiss a lot of the horrible things that happen, but it's, it's more of like a clearer, more comprehensive view. That's just, that's a part of this and, and back to the view of God and, and, and the universe and those things. I, I don't know exactly how the universe was created or, or who exactly is in charge of it. But it's hard to dispute the fact that something created it, right? right. It, it, it did right. come from somewhere. Um, and when you think of it through that lens, call it God, call it an energy force, call it whatever you will, there's something that created it. And mm-hmm. then there's things we've done as a result of that creation. And and I think just parsing that out and being very um, clear on how that all fits, it, it makes for a more honest conversation about it. Whereas to your point in the story, a lot of times people get triggered by certain words and biases right. start coming in and, and all different things that emotions right. and make it a tougher conversation. Right. And I, I was just thinking of uh, when you're talking about, uh, you know, the things we've done in the name of religion and so forth and, and, you know, getting in that mindset. Um, I was thinking of a conversation I had with this one guy who um, he kind of thought of himself as this, you know, big spiritual giant type of person and he had the answers and you know i will decree you know Uh there's a whole attitude kind of thing right he was a little bit smug a little too smug for my liking and he decided one night that he was going to sit down and talk with a bunch of us and set us straight and this that and the other and he sits down with me he's like you know well dan i see your life going like this this and i think you could do this this is and i looked at him and i said you mean like going to church now 
I got to pause because at the time I said that I had no idea that he did not go to church. Mm. <laughs> so he sputtered. He's like, oh, my God. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, you know, yeah. come on. You can't tell me anything. You got to work on yourself, too. Yeah. So, again, as you have that I, as idea of, you know, you have this big log in your eye, but you can see the splinter in somebody else's. Mm-hmm. And you got to work on yourself first. And mm-hmm. what I come back to, and, and, and it's a, again, it's a delicate balance here for me, uh, like you were talking as far as getting settled on this is it's a, it's a case of, you know, where it says work out your own salvation and fear and trembling before the Lord. And yet being willing to, you know, help other people share with other people, sympathize with them and so forth. So it's that it's that selfishness on one hand of working Mm -hmm. it out for yourself and making sure you're right Mm -hmm. and that your heart is right before God and then being able to help others. And I I think it's an outworking of what you do. Mm -hmm. It's that faith that you have that, I'm working this out with God. I'm, I'm, I'm trusting these things over here. I'm, I'm talking about them. We're hashing it out. But then that outworking of that love shows and reflects in what you do for other people. Mm. And uh, it goes back to the faith without works kind mm. of thing, you know, mm. the whole idea. So, mm. uh, it, it, again, it's a, it's a, it's a complex. That complexity shows up. Thing. Again, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree with that. Well, let me ask you, I want to ask two things before sure. before we wrap. Um, one, I, I want to talk a little bit about the books and, and being an author, because back to where we started with the value, right. it seems like one of the ways that value plays out in your life and you kind of manifest it out is is through your writing to some extent um, of mm-hmm. some of the books. Talk a little bit about that. Is that is that very intentional, deliberate, where you see that that's that's how you've kind of seen your purpose of how you live out that value? One of the ways, I'm sure there's multifaceted, but is writing and, and writing. Because I, I haven't read the books yet. I, I saw the la- the latest one, but it looks like from what I could tell, it's it 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 swims right in that complexity. It gets into the nuance. It's yes. not just very like prescriptive or, you know, here's what somebody did wrong, here's what they should have done. It's acknowledging right. like this is messy. Um so talk right. to me a little bit about that and what what the, right that process is like uh, yeah i'm glad you i'm glad you brought that up because um <clears throat> i'm extremely proud of that book uh that came from a real life conversation mm. um i've i've known uh my daughter's best friend since they were in both in third grade mm. and she's become like like family to me mm. and a little over 10 years or so ago she was pregnant mm. and boyfriend wasn't in the picture her parents had been divorced for a long time I had picked her up and I was going to take her to uh, a friend of hers house for something. And she sat in my car and she just wept mm. and just, just was, was distraught. And she said the typical things, you know, yeah, I feel I'm, I'm alone. I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. My life is ruined. All of those cliches that we hear about. And I sat there and I'm like, okay, number one, I'm not your father. So I can't really speak into your life. I can give you advice. I can help you as best I can. But after the conversation, after I dropped her off, I, I started thinking about multiply her by how many thousands of other girls are going through the same thing. Multiply this conversation and this emotion by thousands of others, whether they're teenagers or not. And I got to thinking about it on a larger scale. What we've allowed over the last 50 years is just this screaming from the two extremes mm. to dominate the landscape. And that's all we know. We, we don't even bat an eye anymore mm. when something comes up about this subject that we, we don't even bat an eye at it. We just like, well, yeah, we expect this. We're just mm. screaming at each other, mm. da, 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 mm. and who cares about the middle? But I got to thinking, I'm like, you know, if we could, if we could shut out the noise, just, just close that off, find a quiet, get some people you trust 
and sit down, ask some very hard questions of yourself, ask some very difficult questions, you're going to do okay. You're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. As far as the book is concerned, um, I wrote it from the last line backwards. Mm-hmm. I knew exactly what I wanted the last line to be. Huh. And I had to get to that point from the very beginning. Huh. So so what I did was I, I tried to walk this line, and I'll get to an example in a minute, walk this line between I'm not preaching at you, I'm not telling you what to think, I don't tell you what to believe. I simply present the story and say, okay, here's what happened to this girl. Her name's Stacy Kent in the book. Here's what happened to Stacy. Here's what she's going through. She's taken into a dream to see what her child's life might be. She's homeless. Her child is, you know, in prison. Her child is a CEO. Her child is a lawyer. You know, that could, all these different scenarios. So um, it was funny because I had some guy uh, want to review it for me, review the book for me. So I sent him a copy. A couple of weeks later, he messages me back, says, uh, you know, hey, dude, I'm like 40 pages in. Is this an anti-abortion book? Because it sure seems like it. I was like, hold on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, you're you're 40 pages in. You're not even into the good stuff yet. Yeah. You're not even at the good stuff yet, you know? So I'm like, I'm like, look, you know, it, it's it, it it's not anti-abortion. It just is it's gonna it's gonna make you think. He's like, okay, fine, I'll I'll keep reading. So, but he was so ensconced in that mindset that, mm-hmm. you know, he was so pro-abortion about it that mm-hmm. he that, that's all he could see. Yeah. And I don't fault him for that. That's that's what he believes. That's fine. But he messaged me back a couple of days later. Nope, dude, I can't review this. Sorry. I'll send you the 20 bucks. Here you go. So I'm like, okay, fine. Well, then another situation where this guy who I met goes to church, very you know, straight-laced Christian guy. He bought two copies, one for him, one for his daughter. They were going to read it together. And I gave him some time. I messaged him. I texted him one time. I said, hey, uh, you know, what would you think? So called him up. And he goes, well, you know, at the beginning there, I don't think you should have had that one scene. It was very uncomfortable. I don't think it was really necessary mm. and all this kind of stuff. So it bothered him mm. on the Christian level, right? Mm. And when I looked at this and I'm like, okay, that is exactly what I want my book to do. Mm-hmm. Upset both extremes where you're yeah. so dead set in this mindset. Yes, no, yes, no. We have to strip that down because it's not as it's not as black and white as we'd like it to be. Mm. I mean, I know everybody has their own personal belief about this. I know everybody has a very emotional attachment to this. But the conversation I had with, with I call her my chosen daughter, the conversation I had with her, she just needed me to listen. Mm. She needed me to be there in that moment. She didn't need me to, to spout off a bunch of Christianese and mm. bash mm. her over the head with the Bible and you know bully her into saying, yeah, you got to go do this. Yeah, you got to go there. Da, da, da. It's the worst. She didn't need that. She needed me to just be there with her. And I think that's the thing that's gotten lost over the last 50 years of this conversation that we're so ensconced in, you know, we're we're so firmly entrenched that, like I said, we don't even bat an eye at Mm -hmm. when people start screaming. It's just the norm. Mm -hmm. But I think if we could just create a dialogue and just say, you know what, you can believe what you want. That's fine. But what really matters is this girl's going through this situation. And what are we going to do about her? Not our not our political mm. agenda. Mm. What are we going to do about her? Mm. That's what matters. Mm. So that's that's what the book is intending to do is create that dialogue and cause people to rethink why do I believe what I believe, mm. and I hope it hits its mark. I mean, you can't help but think back to what you mentioned earlier in the conversation about <clears throat> again. I, I I don't I I don't know God. I don't think I know God. Maybe I do know God, and I'm not aware that I know it. But 
the God that I would like to think exists, if, if God does exist, is very similar to the one you were explaining before, which is like just just listens and not not intervening, not giving that. And there's a very strong parallel to what you were just explaining, which mm-hmm. is that's the God I would like to think exists as well, which is you have to figure it out for yourself. You have to work through it and you may not get it right. You may not do it this way or that way. And sure, there's lots of different complexity to it, but it's not rooted in you, you must do this or, you know, punishment, mm-hmm. as you said before, it's more an understanding God, which I, I, I would like to think that's the case. So I think it's, it's awesome that you wrote the book in that way. I guess I'm curious though, not to get too far into it, but sure. how, how do you think about, because I think there's a lot of people that would nod their heads to what you just said and be like, that's, that's beautiful. That's what I think life should be about. That's what, what we should, we have missed the point that at the end of the day, right, trying right. to help people, that's either side, either extreme is doing it because they think we're going to make the world better. Right. Yeah. They, 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 their intent is good. Their intent yeah, is I mean, good. I, I, right. I understand where they're coming from. It's just the way it's working out. The way it's working out. Right. I think what some of those people might say back is like, but I have to, because if I don't, then the other side is going to win or whatever it might be. And then somebody's going to be hurt. And that gets back to that complexity of life we were talking about before, where it's mm-hmm. like, I think a lot of people would say, I want to just listen. I want to let it play out. I want to remember the person and the individual, but regardless of which side you sit on the court, just whatever ruling, you know, they passed the ruling, they passed sure. previously it was a different one. And there's this sensation of, I have to do something about that because there's mm-hmm. too much danger in it. How do you balance that? not judging, not preaching, just trying to help and be there for somebody and care about a person, but at the same time, taking some action to do what you think is better for the world. And it could be in the abortion subject, could be others. Mm. That's a delicate balance. And, and I think, again, it parallels back to God in some ways. Right, like, Maybe right. God's trying to strike. How, how do you think about that? I think it just, I think it just comes down to, you know, again, like I was saying earlier that, you know, where the Bible's talking about work out your own salvation, mm. you know, before God. And, you know, to me, what that is, is that it's like, you know, okay, Am am I am I am I trying to conform my life to him? Am I trying to become more like Jesus was mm. and, and model my life after his life? And again, it's that relationship. It's not that religion. It's not that I'm doing it because it says you know do X, Y, and Z and you'll get A, B, C results. Mm. Mm. It's simply saying, okay, this is what he modeled. This is who he was. How can I do that? Mm. Because it seemed to work pretty well, you know, mm. and it seemed like people liked him pretty much wherever he went. Mm. So how do I get to be like that? How do I do that? Mm. And the only way I can do that is to examine myself and examine my motives, examine my heart, my mm. thoughts, my 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 whole being and just yeah. say, okay, is this the right way to do this? Mm. Now, as far as, you know, um, like taking action, I guess you could say, pretty much, I, I hate to say, I, I kind of sit somewhere in the middle on a lot of things because I realize this, I kind of look at it as, it's kind of like the, 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 uh, um, the case of inevitability mm. where again, you can present all the best things you can. You can do all of the right things. You can say all of the right things. You can raise your children the best way possible. They're still going to turn out to be horrible or you could raise them in a horrible condition. You can raise them in terrible situations and they might turn out to be the best. So it really doesn't matter where they come from. It's a matter of what do they choose to do as a result of that? Mm. And I think, again, it comes down to that choosing. Do I overcome this mm. and make myself better? Mm. Or do I just wallow in this and become what they say that I am? Mm. So that's what makes it so difficult is that, you know, one side says, yeah, it should be like this. And the other side says, no, it shouldn't be like, yeah, it should be like this. I believe in the sanctity of life. Yes. But I also understand that if my chosen daughter had gone to a clinic and done what she would do, I would still have to choose to love her, even though I disagree with the decision. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of 
church people, and I say church people because you get so ensconced in that yes. mindset yeah. that I think some church people would just say, no, that's just totally wrong. Why would you say that? No, you can't let her do that. Yeah, I kind of have to. Yeah. I mean, it sounds fatalistic, but regardless of what she chose, I'm still going to have to love her because that's what God loves me like. If I expected God to love me at my worst, then how could I not love somebody else at their worst? You know? Something so beautiful. Honestly, I, I'll use the word again because I mean it. There's something so beautiful in that. And, and really the thread throughout much of this of how you've you've looked at, at religion, God, Jesus, church, etc. And for you, it's not to say that all the rituals and the, and the sacraments mm-hmm. and the rules are necessarily bad. But right, I think right. the important point that you're calling out is like, it needs to be about the essence of it, though. It needs to be about the spirit, no pun intended, of like what <laughs> right. all those things are about. <laughs> right. If you could tap into that. That's what it is. And sure, if certain other rules apply for you and they work, do those. But somehow we've many of us have gotten it flipped where the rules have become more important than the essence of what it is. Mm-hmm. And what I hear throughout this conversation is you coming to a realization and choosing, right, which is an important piece, right, choosing right. to say, I've chosen this is what is most important to me about my relationship with God and Jesus right. and trying to embody those things. And there's something really beautiful and powerful about that, which again, I think would resonate for so many people, regardless of if they believe in Christianity or a different mm-hmm. religion or no religion at all. There's something right. really, really good. Exactly. About that. Yeah. And I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. It's very kind of you to say, and, and, you know, I certainly don't want to come across as judgmental to you at all in any way, you know, shape or form, because, you know, again, I know that there's a struggle for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody has to make that decision for themselves. And, you know, you were talking earlier about judgment and so forth. And I know that when the Bible says, that, you know, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's a very scary thought to me. And, uh, you know, again, growing up in church, growing up in church the way they did, the question was always asked, well, you know, if you stood there at the gates and God asked you, why should I let you into heaven? Uh, that's a valid question. Mm, mm. <laughs> that's a valid question. And and to me, it's it's not a matter of saying that, you know, well, I did this and this and this and this and this, or I followed this rule and this rule and this rule. What, what, what's wrong? You know, I think it's just a matter of, again, realizing that Jesus was a person, mm. not a religion. Not he's, he's a person. And that what he's calling me to do is just to model my life after him, not after some set of rules, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of things that he said you can do that will improve your life. Yeah. But it's, again, it's, it's a matter of what's in your heart. Where does that come from? If you're not working on the heart of yourself and saying, well, these things are not good. How do I get rid of it? How do I replace it with the good stuff? And how does that outflow? You know, how does that flow mm-hmm. out of me mm-hmm. to make the world a better place? And I think we get caught up in the smugness, like my friend was, of, well, I know the truth and you don't. So I'm going to, I'm going to school you, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, no, I, I, you're talking about all these concepts about, you know, what, what created the world and so forth. I'll tell you what, I've come to a point where I realize I believe certain things about the universe and what I was created, but Dug on it. I mean, when when it says he spoke it into existence, I don't know how the heck that works. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what that means. So maybe, right? Like it's uh, yeah, yeah. It's just like okay, okay, whatever. <laughs> so you know, there's still a lot of things I don't understand, sure. and, and I think that's okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's okay. Yeah. I think it's okay to say. Well, there's something so profound about that question. Um, what was the exact phrasing of it? Is, is, is why do you deserve to be in heaven? Is that is that the right? Yeah, phrase? it was. It was. You know, if 
you know, why, why should I allow you? Why should I allow you into heaven? Why should I allow you into heaven? Yeah. I think there's such an easy way to interpret that is like very judgmental and very like high and mighty again, no pun intended. And people fear or resent that, you know, what do you mean? Why should I, I thought you were accepting. I think you could squint your eyes and turn a little bit and hear that question completely different, which is more in the vein of what you've been speaking about of like, show me your heart. Show me why you should be in heaven. Just it's exactly. Not, it's not to imply like you shouldn't be and you need to prove right. it. It's like, no, 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 just, but let's see it. Let's see your heart. And if you mm-hmm. should be in here. And I think in many ways, again, it gets back to that point where we've lost that along the way. We've lost that essence of it. Um, and that's, that's sad to some extent. Right. Um, the right. last question I was going to ask, and you already touched on it, but I'll, but I'll ask it anyway, because okay. I find it interesting. Um, you mentioned you're, you're horrified of that final judgment. Is that something again you touched on it there but is that something that you're still afraid of that final judgment or is that something back from earlier in your history of it and if so what is it that that you fear in that i i I wouldn't say that there's like a a shaking in my boots fear kind of thing um you know again because okay i'm going to make this really sound really weird and and odd but um if you've ever read the book of revelation uh, in my opinion, this is just me, in my opinion, I think it would help to be on some kind of um, psychotic type of drugs to help you like interpret all of this mm-hmm. imagery that's there. And I realized at the time there was no other way to describe it, mm-hmm. but it it is so freaky. It mm-hmm. is so weird. And so, okay, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. You know? And I think just the fact that it is, so odd and written such a way that okay i can't understand what you're talking about the image you're trying to i don't get that Mm. so to me it's it's not a matter of shaking in my boots fear it's what the heck is that really going to be like Mm. what what is that Mm. you know it's and again it's the it's the unknown it's uh you know um i just had an image of my uh my dad passed away about a year ago and i Mm. just remember um just seeing him there and it was his body but i knew he wasn't there and i knew his spirit was in heaven and it's just that unknown of he closed his eyes and poof he's gone Mm. how does that work what does that look like Mm. it's a fascination to me but at the same time it's it's like i'm not sure i really want to cross that because i don't really know what that looks like you know Mm. it's just it's just too weird so it's 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 embracing that I have the hope of heaven. I, I I have that hope that I will be there. But at the same time, it's like, how does that work out? Mm. How, what's the outworking mm. of that process? Mm. What does that look like? You know? Yeah, it's such an interesting balance of like, right. and I don't say this to be negative, like the logical and the faith-driven thinking. Right. To some extent, there, there's a faith of like, well, I trust in God and it will work out. But on a very like, human logical Act, level yes it's like yes. what exactly does it like, i trust <laughs> but what am exactly am i trusting in i wish i could have right. a yeah what's, what's the outlook what, that. Where's that pro- what are the steps here <laughs> yeah yeah uh, that's, an awesome, that's an awesome answer yeah exactly i, I love it well dan listen I, I i really really i say this too often but i'm going to say it again i really really enjoyed this conversation um thank you i've talked to a, a number of different people and i'm always fascinated to talk to people that that pick faith as their value um, partially because I'm, I enjoy talking to everybody, but sure. I think there is like a preconceived notion, at least in some people that like, oh, faith, like kind of roll their eyes. And like, I can't wait to hear the mm-hmm. preaching and the nonsense and the, and the make pretend stories or whatever it is. But I got to tell you, like, I, I have not had a bad conversation in that because there's usually so much depth of thinking. It doesn't mean we all agree and we all see the world sure. the same way or view it the same sure. way. 
but there is a lot of self-reflection and depth <clears throat> of thinking about it. And particularly your approach to it, as I said, that, that trying to be truly open to, to, to lead with your heart and, and kind of try and act in the way you see how Jesus act. I think there's mm -hmm. something again, really beautiful in that. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. I did you too. Better, understanding your relationship with faith. Really, really interesting. Thank you. I appreciate that, Terry. It was a good conversation. And again, you know, I, 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 growing up the way that I did, it's very hard for me to kind of open up to people who disagree or may think differently than I do, just because that's that, that mindset that's still there sometimes kind of rears its ugly head. And I got to remind myself, no, 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 shut up. Just, mm. just listen and, and mm. understand and try to ask questions, you know, just don't, don't get all judgmental about it because that's not what you want to do. Mm. And it's, it, it still is difficult for me to do now, but at the same time, I found it, uh, uh, again, just fascinating, just opening myself up to people and just saying, look, here's what I've done and here's where I come from. And, you know, that's what I am. Mm. So well said. Well, thank said. you. Thank well, you. Dad, thanks so much. I hope you have a great Appreciate it, the night. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And you take care of yourself too. All right.